It's the Eleven Dubcast. We are back. We're we're back and ready in action. It's it's actually a game week as opposed to a bye week. Yeah. So now we can talk about football. And you know what? So I'm Johnny Ginner. I'm Michael Citro. And I'm I gotta tell you something. I'm a little shocked that Ohio State found a way to lose to bye week. We this might be the first time a college football program has managed to lose to the bye, and I'm kind of disappointed in our team, frankly, that we didn't you know win the bye week, but the bye week has defeated us uh, apparently. Open date was Sucks. due. I mean, let's face it, open date was <laughs> was long overdue. It was going to happen some yeah. year. Washington generals have to win occasionally. Bye has to win at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, JT Barrett got cited for an OVI, which sucks, and. We could dissect that to death. I, you know, I just want to kind of give my general impression on it. You can give your general impression on it. Obviously, OVI, like that's stupid. Like I, I cannot. It's very hard for me to fathom how dumb that is because in an age with Uber and taxis and tens of thousands of people in Columbus, Ohio, who would gladly give JT Barrett a lift back to his place for free. I don't know how you do that. I think that's insane. But on the other hand, I really am not interested in bashing a kid for weeks on end for a really stupid mistake. And while it was dumb, I'm sure he's going to learn for it from it. He seems like a decent kid. I don't want to like crucify this guy for a really dumb mistake. Yes, but also a very human one. So I don't know. How, how do you feel about this, Michael? Well, I mean, JT didn't do anything that I haven't done before, and um, yeah. and, and even that I've done at an older age where I really should have known better. So, um, you know, I, I'm not going to throw him under the bus. I'm going to say that, yeah, he had he has some advantages that I didn't have in college in terms of being able to get home. Like, I couldn't just <laughs> lightly. Yeah. I, I couldn't just go, hey, I'm I'm JT Barrett, take me home, and right. have somebody actually do that. You know, to me, it would have been a lot more difficult to be like, dude, get out of my face, get your own way home. You know, but. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, I can't fault him. I mean, he, he could have handled it better, and I think next time he will. I, I think he's the kind of kid who learns pretty quickly from his mistakes, and this is a pretty big one, and he'll he'll yeah. come back stronger from it. And yeah. I, I think the good thing is that the team believes in him, and they've stuck with him, and they're not, you know, you know, their, their initial uh, disappointment or shock or whatever is, is on, you know, is long gone, and now they're, they're turning the page, and they're going to, they're going to stand by their guy. And I think you need to do that, especially with a young guy is like, you need to stick with him when they make mistakes because you know, we, we all make mistakes. And at that age, not me, Michael, not me, at, not Johnny. At that Kirk. age, we make, you know, I guess exponentially larger mistakes sometimes. Um, well, I mean, look, I, I've not ever done anything like that. And in part, because I think it's such a bad thing to do. But with that said, that doesn't mean I haven't done anything stupid. Yeah. You know? And like, that's, I guess kind of my point. We're going to, you know, we've got somebody coming up here to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, kind of making mistakes and learning from it and stuff like that. And that's, it's a human condition. Like you're going to be dumb. You're going to do dumb things from time to time. It's important for us not to treat guys like JT Barrett as these pariahs because they did something that a lot of people are guilty of or, just doing something on the same level that other people have done uh, in other areas. And I just, I think it's really interesting how sanctimonious sometimes people can get about this kind of stuff. Like, I get it. Like, OVI, driving while intoxicated, driving while impaired is awful. But it feels like this is an excuse for some people to go, ah, let's take him down a peg. Hey, <laughs> JT Barrett. 
And that's that's not cool either. I mean, that doesn't help the situation. All that does is allow you to feel superior to somebody that is a college athlete. And it's I, I just think a lot of it is really indulgent. I don't know that it's actually like helpful to the situation. I don't know that's going to prevent that from happening again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we publish on Lone Warriors, if you look at the precedent, and whether this is good or bad, I personally think he probably should be suspended for more. But it, this is basically pretty par for the course for what we've seen from a lot of other college football programs. Yeah, and I've seen, we've seen some that happen in the offseason kind of just get sw- swept under the rug. They miss a few weeks of practice or something. Right. And, and they don't get any, um, you know, any suspension. So, you know, hats off to Urban Meyer. I mean, he, he immediately heard about it and said suspended. For right, they had, he addressed it immediately. And honestly, Michael, I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't maybe, especially if Cardell performs really well against Minnesota, which, you know, absolutely could happen, that you may see a kind of a phantom suspension, which he has done before, where guys, you know, had officially been finished with their suspension, but, you know, for whatever reason, didn't seem to play in the next game. Right, Carlos Hyde comes to mind when, you know, Carlos Hyde was eligible to come back. He played like right. he played like three plays at the end of the, the game uh, in that first game back. And, I mean, right. honestly, the way that Hyde ran that year, who knows how many yards he lost. But um, Exactly, exactly. It, it, so It's cool. The other thing, too, about it is that he, he took away his summer, uh, you know, scholarship, and he has to earn right. his way back on it. I mean, that's not nothing. No, it's, I mean, it's thousands of dollars, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it absolutely isn't nothing. So I, look, I, I think the way it was handled was done fairly well. I'm sure JT Barrett will work his butt off to get in the good grace of the team. I just, you know, we just got to, as if you're trying to be the watchdog of the team or whatever, just make sure that happens. Just say, okay, JT Barrett, learn from this, but don't stand on a soapbox and try to like denigrate and, you know, talk down to this kid for doing something that, you know, Stupid, yes, but maybe not so beyond the pale of, you know, something that college kids haven't been doing, you know, for decades and hundreds and billions of years. So, I don't know. Again, I don't want to defend this because I think it is pretty stupid. Like, I I really hate the OVI. I hate the crime. I hate the the action. But I'm not going to hold JT Barrett to a higher standard than I would hold anybody else um, in that situation. I mean, granted, he probably has slightly more options, but even so, like... He's a human being. He'll learn from it. And if he doesn't, then you can start getting on your soapbox. But for now, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Right. You said the you said the key word there. He's a human being. I mean, they don't just break these guys out of a, a glass case on the weekends to come right. out and play. Exactly. They're human beings. They have lives and they do things. And maybe you go somewhere and you you have a couple of beers, but you think you're okay and you got a car and you need to get it home and you go, ah, all right. Well, I'm. I think I think I'm all right. And you're really not because at that point, not only are, are you young and not really thinking straight you're also impaired a little bit so your judgment is is even more off so human a human mistake a very human mistake and i i think he'll he's the kind of kid with his character he'll come back stronger yeah so the other big news i mean kind of just broke within the past hour here is that ohio state is now ranked third in the initial football playoff rankings. Uh, how do you feel about that ranking? Are you, are you cool with third? Well, that's about five spots higher than Brett McMurphy of ESPN has Ohio State. So, uh, yay. Um, <laughs> uh, here's the thing. It, right now, you just want to be in the top four. I mean, not even right now. You want to be in the top four at the end of the year. So right. last year, I think when the first thing came out, the first uh, playoff poll came out, I think Ohio State was rated like 16th or something like that. Yeah, it was. We were real down there. So, I mean, right now, 
just keep winning, baby. And uh, yeah. it, it takes care of itself. If they're undefeated, they're not going to be kicked out of the playoffs. Right, because the competition is about to get tougher. So you're going to get right. more quality wins down the stretch. And other teams are going to start cannibalizing each other. So um, exactly. LSU and Alabama still have to play and all that. So uh, there still has to be a, an, a, an SEC championship game. Baylor and TCU play each other. So there's a lot of moving parts. And I don't think it's it's anything to be excited about. If I expected almost Ohio State to come in at like five or six this week. So um, you know, coming in at three is actually is, surprises me because it, it's it just seems fun to beat Ohio State down for the for the pundits and you know it's like yeah. we'll just you know, we're not going to give them any respect. But oh, Iowa they played a legitimate schedule, but not Ohio State. Screw those well, guys. Even out. I mean, Iowa. You know, a lot of Ohio State's strength of schedule is back ended. I think that the the rankings right now as they stand, I'm pretty happy with it. Clemson is right now the dar. I think Clemson might find themselves falling off the map a little bit towards the end of the season. But LSU obviously has put together a great resume. They've had a really great season. Alabama at four I think is a bit of a stretch. That might be some name recognition. I don't think they're nearly as strong as maybe their record would indicate. And Ohio State undefeated at three. Like I'm cool with that. So Clemson, LSU, Alabama at four, Ohio State at three. I you know I think that's a good initial ranking. I do think that's going to change. I mean, if you look at the initial rankings last year, holy crap, right? Like that just blew up by the end of the year. So while this doesn't mean a lot, I also think that it's, it's probably pretty fair for the beginning of November. So I'm cool with it. I think it's obviously going to change quite a bit before the end of the season. And Ohio state obviously has two gigantic games coming up that are going to determine their final position in the playoff, if they get there at all. I mean, if they lose either one of those games against Michigan State or Michigan, I'm I'm pretty confident they find themselves out of that playoff. But I don't know. I mean, it, it really depends on how things shake out, especially with regards to, like, the Big Ten title game and things like that. Yeah, so, I'd rather go in as the three or four seed anyway than the first or second yeah. seed because you want them to have that chip on their shoulders like, you know, like they did last year. They came in at, at four. Right. And they played like a team that was out to prove that they were not the fourth best team, that they were in fact. Ohio State fans hate being the favorite. They hate it. Yeah. Absolutely hate it. Always want to be the favorite. Look at 2006. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Ohio State was number one the whole season and had to play the number two team in the country three times, which I don't think has ever happened. Yeah. They played, uh, Texas was two, and Michigan was two, and then Florida was two when they played. So um, that's. I mean, beating the number two team in the country three times in a season is pretty—it's a pretty big ask. Yeah, it is, and and that's the thing. It's not just personally. I think a lot of it goes into the psyche of just like you like people like being disrespected. People are like oh, I hate it when they they don't believe in us. Blah, blah blah. Fans love that. Fans love it when their team is disrespected because then a they have something to complain about, right? Yeah. B, they feel like it gives their team extra motivation to play better. And C, if they win, it gives them like more reason to gloat, right? Like, ah, you got beat by us. You thought you were going to take us down. We were 20-point underdogs. We, like, people love that. <laughs> and I, I think it's hilarious when people talk like, oh, they disrespect us. You love it. Don't lie to me and tell me that you want ESPN saying that we're the best thing in the world. You don't want to hear that. You want to hear ESPN saying that we are terrible and awful and don't deserve to be there. So you can complain about it, and then we can come back later when we do perform well and then shove it in their faces. Yeah, you want Mark May to say, I think Maryland's going to beat Ohio State this week. Exactly, exactly. Don't tell me you don't like that. So 
Uh, we kind of covered the big topics. Let's get into Ask Us Anything. We, we've kind of we had to push back on Ask Us Anything last time because of my weird travel schedule. I was in San Diego, which was pretty good. I saw some seals. Yeah. Uh, big aquatic sausages. Go to the zoo. That was fun. Did you get out to the zoo? I didn't get to go to the zoo. Didn't have time to go to the zoo, but I got to see some of my cousins, and that was a lot of fun. So that was cool. Um. Yeah, and I saw like I did, you know some good teaching stuff. So anyway, let's do Ask Us Anything, Michael. How, how can these lovely listeners ask us anything? Well, the two most uh, prevalent ways of, of asking us anything would be the email route or the Twitter route. There's, those right. are the two main avenues. There's some backdoor ways you could probably do it, but we're not going to go into all those. We're going to stick with the two main thoroughfares. Now, Twitter, you can get us. We are at 11dubcast. Spell that all out. Don't put the number 11. <laughs> okay. okay? And then the email route is dubcast at 11warriors.com. And then, again, you spell out 11. You don't put the uh, the numeral. So those are the two main ways and the best ways to get to ask us literally anything. All right, so let's get started here. Uh, Mitchell, or Mitchell LR 15 on 11 Warriors, asks us, how are each of you responding to the WHO, World Health Organization, new classification of bacon and processed meats in relation to cancer? Michael Citro, how do you feel about this terrifying new health information? Uh, I say wait a few weeks and there'll be some other terrifying health information that's completely <laughs> overshadow it. So uh, yeah. I'm not concerned at this point. Uh, you know what? Here's the thing. Like, I'm kind of a worry wart. I try not to eat. I try to eat well. I try to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. But I also think that, you know, maybe I'm 30. And I'm not you know, with that with that said, right, like I'm going to think about it. I'm going to try to limit my intake of these bacon and processed meats. I get that. And I, I try to in general. But on the other hand, you know, I think about all the cookouts and dime a dog nights and things like that that have accumulated in my body over the years. And while I'm going to try to make healthy choices from now on, I also feel like maybe the die has already been cast <laughs> and I'm just not going to like, I'm not going to, it's not going to keep me up at night. Let me put it that way. Yeah. And the other thing so, you got to worry, you got to look at Johnny is your, your family history. Look at your, look, that's the biggest indicator of what you can. Well, have. so, so that, <laughs> that's not good news. Then, well, Michael. you know, I'm sorry to hear that, but I mean, like my family history has actually been pretty good in that, in that respect. And I, yeah. I don't, it's not like I eat bacon every morning. It's not like I, you know, down 16 hot dogs every day or whatever, you know, er- <laughs> Why not? everything in moderation, you know, first of all, I can't afford to eat bacon every day because bacon's kind of pricey. Is, um, yeah. and then, you know, hot dogs, I'm a, I'm a, I like hot dogs, but I'm kind of a little goes a long way with me with hot dogs. So mm-hmm. I'm not, uh, you know, down in them all the time. It's just, you know, like you said, dime a dog night, you go, and you go okay, I'm going to eat for like 50 cents. Yeah. <laughs> and you have the diamond dogs, but um, you know it—it's it, not something that keeps me up at night. I do watch what I eat. In fact, I'm on a, an extremely strict diet uh, sure. that I've been on for about uh, going on seven weeks now, and I'm doing very, very nice. well on it. And that's great. Um, my health has improved, and I've lost weight, and things are nice. going pretty well. So, uh, and the cool thing about it is this particular diet actually does allow bacon. You just can't—you got to find—you got to look really hard for the sugar-free kind. Yeah, and that's the thing, like. You know, as as bad as those processed meats are, there's sugar lurking in everything that we eat. And I, you know, honestly, I'd be more worried about that for your overall health, just in terms of, like, the cumulative effect over the course of a lifetime. So maybe that's something to pay more attention to. The moral of the story is we should all be reading the nutrition labels on what we eat. And it's far few too many, far few, 
What am I saying? Far too, How do I far too that? Not enough people to do that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm tired. Give me a break. Uh, yeah, not enough people do that, and it's unfortunate because that really is going to help you out in the long run if you can do that and kind of figure out what kind of nutritional macros you should be eating. All right, so let's keep going here. we got a lot to get to. Right. Uh, this is from uh, Asian Chipmunk. Hi, Asian Chipmunk. <laughs> yeah, Alvin. Uh, huge fan of your podcast. I've listened to quite some time. I recently created a forum post about this and wanted to hear your perspective from our staff. Questions include, how many lurkers are there on 11 Warriors? I have no idea. What is the percentage breakdown of lurkers versus account holders? Why do people lurk, and is lurking on 11 Warriors a sin? I do not have the data on number one, but I want to know from you, Michael, first of all, why do you think people lurk on 11 Warriors, and is lurking on 11 Warriors a sin? Uh, I don't think it's a sin. Uh, in fact, I've been a message board lurker on, on not on 11 Warriors, but on other sites, um, because sometimes I just want to see what people's opinions are about things, and I don't necessarily want to get involved in getting into arguments and things like that. So yeah. I think there's... There is a reason to just kind of lurk and just watch and you know read and learn what people are talking about and that kind of thing. And some people just aren't active participators, and that's why they lurk. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, no. you can you can have some fun. I don't think there's anything wrong with just like sitting back and enjoying the you know mm-hmm. the conversation. Sure. So all right. Um, so we've got a next question here. This is from Jake Smith. He says, my cousin is an OSU student, and we've been trying to come up with a good idea for a funny sign that he can take to game day when they presumably will be on campus for the Sparty game, Uh, which is not, you know, a certainty, but probably a pretty good assumption. Mm -hmm. We've been brainstorming ideas with memes like Fumble Bunyan, which is pretty funny, Shirtless Harbaugh, or his khakis, which, uh, okay, I mean, that's Michigan at Michigan State, a Joey Freshwater, Steve Sarkeesian combo, or Mark May, but haven't come up with anything good yet. What do you guys think would be a good sign? And thanks. What do you do? You have any ideas for uh, Jake here for a game day sign for Sparty? Well, I think you should definitely adopt one of the Eleven Warriors slogans and uh, and do that. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't even have to make for us would be ideal. It doesn't even have to make sense. You could put "That's Ohio's Moon." Uh, <laughs> you know, the devil wears khakis. I mean, any of those will, will work, and it would be a nice shout out shout out to uh, to our site, which would be really cool. Um, but actually, I, when I read this question, I was like, I really want to hear what Johnny has to say, because I bet he has some strong opinions here. Okay, so I had an idea. I really, basically anything with Mark D'Antonio just cracks me up. I, I freaking think, I think he's hilarious just by being him. So if you want to make, like, you know, one of those charts where it was like one of those facial emotion charts, and it's just him frowning and being really angry, <laughs> and you could be like, Happy, sad, hungry, angry, disturbed, like just everything but the same picture of him just frowning and being a terrible person. Or or I like to say he's essentially a Cormac McCarthy novel incarnate. So if you want to like maybe Photoshop his face over, you know, I don't know, a picture of like a decaying field or something like that, or just some kind of like weird Lovecraftian thing where he's this terrible horror from the deep. Like I... I just love how angry he is all the time, and I think anything that's a play on that is terrific. All right, so let's keep going here. Uh, We've got some more questions. This is from Steve. Uh, I listen to several Buckeye podcasts, but you guys are by far the best. Thank you. Thanks. I tell you how bad it is out there. One of the guys, one of the Buckeye sports radio casts, pronounced the town where Rutgers is located as Piss Katui, I think, is what he's going for. (laughs) 
Here's my question. Last month, I had the opportunity to attend a screening of Blazing Saddles, one of my favorite nice. movies. Nice. In Nashville, followed by an hour and a half discussion and Q and A with Mel Brooks. Holy crap! It was awesome. That's awesome. I, I did, he didn't say holy crap. I did because I love Mel Brooks. Yeah, Mel Brooks is awesome. God dang, he released Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein in the same year. That's unbelievable. Anyway, it occurred to me as I watched the movie on a big screen with thousands of others that for most of them, this was the first time they ever saw this movie on a big screen since it came out in 1974. They had only seen it on TV slash DVD. My question for you is, what three movies have you never seen on the big screen that you would like to see? Keep up the good work. That is an awesome question from Steve. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, what What do you think, Michael? Do you have do you have an opinion on that? Uh, so three movies I didn't see in the theater that I would like to see in the theater. Um, yes. I'm going to go with um, John Carpenter's The Thing. Nice. Good choice. Because uh, I, I first saw it on, on VHS many years ago, but I, I didn't get to see it in the theater. Uh, I'm going to stick with Mel Brooks. And say Young Frankenstein. Ooh, that'd be a good one. And uh, for number three, Caddyshack. I did not see that in a theater either. <laughs> Caddyshack on the big big screen. That's yeah. that's the one that like. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I just love that movie. So I, I mean, I would, I All would, right. be, you know, the way home theaters are nowadays, it's not far off from what you're getting at the movies. So uh-huh. you know, I, I have a pretty decent setup, so I'm I'm pretty satisfied. But those those three would be good. Um, maybe I swap out Caddyshack for. I saw Jaws at a drive-in. Now, Jaws, I think, would be an amazing one to see on the big and, screen. And, Jaw- and at the drive-in is okay, but you've got that little tin kind of sounding speaker. It's not the same. It's, yeah, it's not, it's not the, same. the same. Especially one of these giant screens we have today. Like, yeah. forget it. And, and I understand Jaws is a, either just did or supposedly is making a, a rounds uh, coming back to theater. So I'm going to uh-huh. watch out for That'd that. Cool. Yeah. So I thought hard about this because I, I think this is a really, really great question. Um, I want to see Lawrence of Arabia on the big screen. Okay. I, I think I've only seen it on TV and just the cinematography and everything. That is a movie I absolutely want to see on the big screen, Lawrence of Arabia. Mm-hmm. It's a good call. The, an, the other one, what's up? That's a good call. Yeah, so the other one was uh, The Good, Bad, and the Ugly. I absolutely want to see that on the big screen too. Again, for the cinematography, I think that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. And I want to see Alien. On the big screen, I think that would be really, really cool. It was. I, I saw Alien at the theater, and it was it was pretty amazing. Yeah, I re- so Alien, Lawrence of Arabia, and uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. That is definitely like absolutely want to see. All right, so the next question that we have here is someone who wants who wishes to remain anonymous. I am a guy who has been rescued by my wife in a lot of ways: hygiene, organization, schedule, etc. Fortunately, she has never tried to reform the amount of time I invest in watching, reading, discussing football. To her credit, she even watches many OSU games with me, despite the fact that she's an MSU grad. Unfortunately, I have probably played one season of NCAA football too many, and she commented Saturday, I am so glad we don't have football this weekend. Uh, How do I reinterest my wife in football without trading in any man cards and setting up a Pinterest account? How do you do that, Michael? Well, first of all, let's not denigrate the eternal question. Let's not denigrate Pinterest because many men are on Pinterest. So it's not just for women. So let's not let's not go let's there. Not. Let's not be that person. Um, okay. I would say the first step is buy your wife a sweater vest. Okay. Uh, and I would say you know make it fun. You need to you need to like make it fun. And I don't know how you do that. Maybe maybe throw a little. Uh, tailgate just for the two of you or something like, you know, make it like um, you have a cookout and you bring the food in front of the TV and, you know, you have some some adult beverages or whatever it is you like to enjoy, refreshments that you like to enjoy and just kind of make it like you're at the game 
when you're really not. So I, I think when you do that, you do a little sort of um, play acting like that. I think it can be a, a fun thing. So that's that's my advice uh, and my idea. Feel free to ignore it completely. So what I would say is um, one thing that I think really makes college football especially interesting is the personalities involved. So I think one thing that you can do with your wife is maybe introduce her to all the ridiculous people who are in college football. Guys like Les Miles, Mike Leach, you know, if you can look out for those guys and say, okay, this guy's a really weird dude or this guy coaches in a really weird way, or maybe there's going to be a bunch of trick plays in this game. I think that's a good way to kind of involve people in the game and and get them a little more interested maybe when they weren't already invested in the sport. So that's, that's my hint. Um, all right, so that, that does it for the email questions. Let's We got some on the Twitter account, so let's hit those up real quick. Okay. First question we have here is a very, very interesting one. I don't know, Michael, how, how versed you are, well-versed you are on this particular subject, but do you fare the, favor the mini-worlds theory or wave function collapse as an answer to the Schrodinger's cat conundrum? I favor the mini-worlds theory. Why is that? I like the name of it. <laughs> Are you familiar with Schrodinger's cat? I'm familiar with Schrodinger's cat and the the, uh, the conundrum itself. I'm oh good. I'm actually not familiar with those uh, actual theories uh, or what they. I probably know what they are, but I don't know the names of them. Right. So I am actually not familiar with the wave function collapse, and I probably should have looked it up. I am familiar with the many worlds theory. You know, all the simultaneous universes existing at the same time, and of course Schrodinger's cat. If you're not familiar with it, is a really famous thought experiment where. You know, either a cat is dead or it's not, and you have no idea because it's inside of a box. And theoretically, they both, you know, the cat exists in both conditions at the same time. I'm going to just go ahead and say many worlds theory. I think so, there is some math, there is some philosophy that suggests that there are multiple universes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm not really well versed in that enough to uh, to make a definitive statement one way <laughs> or the other. So I'm just going to go with many worlds theory because I agree it's a, it's a cooler name. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's the way I pick horses. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, a couple more here. First of all, JTB having OVI feels like 2001 in Belisari blowing a .22, which is god dang, that's a high. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. I didn't realize it was a .22. Uh, but does that mean we win a title next year? Oh, next year is going to be very, very difficult, man. I mean, there's <laughs> yeah. so many guys are leaving after this year. I don't know. That's going to. I think it's a little bit of a rebuilding year. Uh, that said. Uh, I mean, we won it with a bunch of freshmen last year. So that's and, true. And sophomores. So I mean, you never know. It, it could happen, and uh, I wouldn't bet against Urban Meyer. Yeah, Dave Fitzgerald has a second question. Actually, he asks us, "What rule changes from NFL or otherwise would you most like to add to college football?" Oh, rule changes from the NFL. Oh yeah. man, you know it's hard for me because I I I think that the NFL is Blows. so much worse than college football. <laughs> Um, it is in a lot of ways. I, I kind of like the idea of moving the extra points back a little bit. Um, Especially in college football, right? Like that would make a, for a very interesting decision, I think, on the part of college coaches. Yeah, I think there'll be you see a lot more guys go for two. It would, it would kind of make that a little more interesting uh, after a touchdown. Yeah. And, and then you would see a little more strategy uh, played out instead of just the mindless, oh, send a kicker out, kick, get your point, you know. Um, right. I would college say, kickers are, are kind of sh- you know shaky sometimes. So you move back a little bit, you might be talking about some serious uh, points left. That's right. Field. I would say I like the rule where the ball carrier has to be touched down 
You know what I mean? Like you're just not automatically down. Yeah, I do like that. I do like that. I think that would. Be- and you just reminded me too of uh, of, pa- of pass interference. If 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 you commit pass interference thirty yards down the field, that's where the penalty is. That's where you should have right. the ball. It's not a fifteen yard penalty. Yeah, I think there's some there's some value yeah. in some of the NFL rules. Sure. All right. Well, thanks guys for writing in and, and sending us questions on the Twitter account. If you guys want to do that, please continue to do so. We love, we so very much love your questions, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll get to even more of them next week. So thanks. All right, joining us tonight, as he does every week during the football season, we are very lucky to have Matt Finkus with Finkus on Football. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, guys. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm. I think I took the information about our starting quarterback with the appropriate uh, decorum and. You know, I didn't freak out. I'm not tearing out my hair. Yeah. Because we have we have a backup that is competent. Braxton Miller. Uh, but I, yeah, but I want to get your take on it. I really want to know how you uh, have processed this and kind of how you feel about the situation as a whole. You know, I mean, and this probably will shock a lot of people because I'm kind of like uh, viewed as the grumpy old man a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, being in that situation – no, I mean, it's it's something that I have a lot of sympathy for. I mean, it's just, you know, I, mean, we, I got in trouble in college. I mean, there's a lot of guys that do stupid stuff in college. I think that right. when you look at this, the positive thing is no one was hurt in this incident. You know, right. JT's the guy who's going to learn from this. Uh, I know, like, when I was talking on Twitter, it's amazing the stupidity level on Twitter when I'm just saying, you know, hey, you can learn from this. Like, you're advocating drinking it. No, I'm not advocating drinking and driving you moron. Anyone else? <clears throat> but I, I mean, this is a situation that uh, I mean, it, it happens to a lot of us. And and, and you know, it's, it's from all accounts, he he had a beer or two and thought there was nothing. I mean, obviously, he thought he was fine because he actually drove through a. A checkpoint. Who drives through a checkpoint when you've had something to drink? I mean, that's just that's a dumb right. thing. I was I was going through a checkpoint on the way down to the studio one night, and you see cars just peeling off left and right. Obviously, those people have had something <laughs> to drink, and they're just going on side streets. I mean, and, but you know, he's he's a young kid. I know, I, you know, I've spoken with JT many times. He's about as put together as, as you can be. I, I mean, this is a blip on the radar for him. I think that he'll learn from it. I think he'll come back better. I, I think that. Uh, you know, it's embarrassing for him, and I think that he'll do everything that he can to make the situation as right as possible. Uh, you know, I mean, other than that, I mean, it, it, they're, they're college kids. They're, they're 18, 20 years old. They're going to do dumb things sometimes. I mean, and, and, and I love the, the argument of, well, if I was the Ohio State quarterback, I wouldn't do anything stupid. Yes, yes, you would. Everyone. <laughs> when you have that sense of power and that sense of, you know, when, when everyone's telling you how great you are, you would do dumb things, too. I mean, it's just it's the, it's the human nature factor of it that no one can get away from. And so, I mean, I don't come down too hard on JT. I mean, this is this is a, it's a dumb mistake. Hopefully he'll never, ever do it again. And let's let's all just move on. Right. Let uh, let he who is without sin cast the first stone and all that. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you've ever had, you know, three beers at dinner and then got in the car and driven home, you're guilty of exactly what J.T. Barrett is guilty of. You just didn't get caught. Yeah. Matt, um, how does it – how is it when you're on a team and one of your teammates, a prominent teammate, gets in trouble, gets himself suspended, as a teammate and as a player, how do you process that in terms of, of you know, do you get angry? Do you do you sympathize? I mean, is there is there a combination of all that? How do you react and, and like – 
Do you have examples of that where you had a teammate get in trouble and then you had to deal with it? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, Mike got in trouble or uh, like our junior year, you know, I mean, in, in an incident up in Akron, Ohio, you know, I got in trouble, uh, I think our junior year is incident down in Athens, Ohio. I mean, these aren't secrets. You can Google them. I'm sure they're still alive on the internet, but, mm-hmm. uh, but, but I think that, you know, I mean, what, what most teammates do is you're going to rally around that guy because uh, again, 90% or, or probably higher than that, probably 95% of the guys on the team have been in that position and just haven't gotten caught or haven't, you know, gone through it. And, and I mean, maybe it takes you back and maybe you process it and, and maybe it's something you learn from, but I mean, this is a family. I mean, and, 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 you know, you don't get mad at the guy for, you know, for making the dumb mistake. You, you try to support him, you try to rally around him and, and you try to, 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 to rally the truth and get him back on the field. So one of the things, I mean, I, I don't want to beat the subject to death. And in, one of the things I also want to ask you about, was, you know, this team is entering into the most important month of the season. There's obviously a lot of kind of turmoil at a really important position, but how do you feel the rest of the team is at this point in the year? Like, how do you think they've progressed from week one to now? Is this where you would expect the team to be? Um, you know, I, I don't think you can ever expect the team to be in, in you know, any certain way, but, but I think that, that it's been encouraging the way that they have progressed, especially the last couple of weeks. I mean, you know, offensive line, yeah defensively, I, th- I think that this team is getting better and better. Obviously, this is a uh, this is a, a bump on the road and a, and a glitch at the quarterback position because now you're putting Cardell Jones back in, in the spotlight. But, but, you know, maybe he flourishes in, in this kind of spotlight. Maybe this is the, you know, this is the situation he was in last year when, you know, there wasn't another option. I mean, I know Braxton Miller is listed as a backup quarterback, but I guarantee you that that's the last person that Urban Meyer wants to throw out there at the quarterback position is Braxton Miller. So maybe Cardell Jones kind of rises to the occasion, and, and this is just the, the set of circumstances that it takes for him to, to really excel. But but I think that, that all in all, you know, Urban Meyer does a very good job of preparing this team, and, and I think he's preparing them for, for weeks 14 and 15, and, or 13, 14, and 15. And obviously, yes, the Michigan State came to the Michigan game. But you've got to look at this as, you know, as a as a marathon and not a sprint. And, and while we were all very frustrated at the beginning part of the season, when things weren't going as smoothly as we expected and it was just a struggle and it just looked really disjointed, you know, those are the, those are the things. And, and, and it took longer than I would have liked it to take to get those things sorted out. But you saw last week, and again, and again it was a bad Rutgers team or two weeks ago, but, but it, it finally looked like the offense was clicking. It looked like the defense kind of knew what it was doing and, and really started to improve. And so, so that's the biggest thing. You want to go into this month, you know, with the opportunity to get to the Big Ten championship game, and Ohio State has that, and this team is starting to get better. Now they're going to have the confidence of knowing that, the, you know, they've been there before, they've done this before, they don't need a 59 to nothing, you know, miracle in, in, a, in a Big Ten championship game to, to be able to get into the playoffs. You know, I think if this thing plays out the way the college football rankings came out, uh, tonight, I mean, if we can go into that, that's just craziness. I, I, I think it's so bizarre how they do that. Um, you know, ranking two teams from the same conference who play each other eventually, both in the top four, when you know one of them is going to lose, is just dumb to me. <laughs> I mean, they did it last year with Mississippi. Or it's really smart. State. You know what I mean? Like, no, just it might be, pick who you, you know think is going to win and put that team original. in the top four, you know? I mean, and put the other team in mm-hmm. five or six. I mean, it just, it, I mean, again, I mean, I, I get it that there's nothing really to it, but, um, you know, it doesn't matter until the end. But I think that if you look at this and and you're going to have an Ohio state team 
that if they hold serve, we'll have beaten two of the top uh, two of the top ten teams in, in the country according to these rankings. If they beat Michigan State and that they go ahead and beat Iowa in the Big Ten championship game, and I, someone told me Michigan is, is ranked in the top twenty somehow. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, you know, who who knows what's going to happen here? But but I think that they're preparing this team as they should. I mean, it's just it's such a different dynamic from four or five years ago where, you know, the bowl game was the ultimate goal. Now the bowl game is kind of with the Big Ten championship game. You've got that game, which would normally be your bowl game. Then you've got another game. And if you win that, then you've got another game. So it's just totally different preparation uh, that this team has to go through. And Urban Myers has proven he he knows how to do that. So you got to kind of have faith in the system a little bit. Matt, in the virtual offices of 11 Warriors, um, we have a little internal debate going on whether or not it would be a good idea to show Braxton Miller throwing a pass uh, because some argue, yeah, you may as well do it. They know it's coming at some point, so why not show it to them and give them something, something else to prepare for? And then others have said, well, they know it's coming, but you know you don't want to show it to them. You want to wait and use it against them. And then there's maybe even a third faction that says, Maybe show Braxton throwing a pass, but maybe not in the same way you're planning to use it against Michigan State, Michigan. Where do you fall in the should Braxton Miller throw a pass this week uh, situation? I don't think Braxton Miller should throw a pass unless it is absolutely necessary. And we need some kind of crazy play to, to make something happen. In, in a big-time game, and you need that trick play. I don't think that – that uh, I mean, much like the Evan Spencer uh, pass last year in the Alabama game, if we're in that kind of situation where we need a touchdown at halftime and you think that's how you're going to get it in a game that's a, that's a do-or-die, win-or-go-home, yeah, let, let's have them throw the pass. Up until then, I want Braxton Miller to concentrate more on running routes and being a better slot receiver because that's where he's going to get the majority of his snaps. I think every team defensively prepares – for Braxton Miller throwing the football, I mean, there's there's a video of him working out and throwing over the summer. So it's not like teams think that his arm is going to fall off if he tries to throw a football. <laughs> but but I, I think that, that you know the the well throw a pass or teams have to prepare for it. I guarantee you that every single defensive coordinator is talking to his secondary and telling them when he gets the ball, whether it's on a jet sweep, whether he takes the direct snap, and, and he's the quarterback. You do not get out of your back pedal until that guy crosses the line of scrimmage because he was a two-time All-Big Ten silver football winner quarterback. So you stay in your pedal until he crosses the line of scrimmage and come forward. I guarantee you every single defense coordinator is telling that to his secondary already. So, I mean, having him throw a pass just to throw a pass, I think, is, is, is pretty – is a mute point. I think if he needs to throw a pass in a situation, again, like we were in at, at Alabama, you know, down whatever it was – 10 points at, at halftime and you need that, that score and this is the play that you think is going to get it. Yeah, do it. But if not, just don't do it, then do it. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I kind of am of the opinion that we should just start throwing stuff out there just to freak people out. But then again, I'm not a football coach <laughs> and I never played football. So hey, I don't know that I am the best are, authority on that. People are freaked out anyway, when we line up with the, with the, that's true. Got out there. They're, they're good. <laughs> Very true. Already, Very true. Yeah. So tell you what, um, I let's 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 bust this out. I'm I'm willing to take the hit. Okay. We got a question from a guy named John who says, uh, first of all, since Ficus is on, ask him what's up with the 101 finish in the Ohio State four miler. He got beat by Krenzel, Carpenter, Ryan Miller, Justin Swick, <laughs> Terrence Dials, Katie Smith, JJ Solinger, Scooty Penn, William White, and Anthony Schlegel, yeah. as well as me. Yeah. 
Okay. Please explain your performance in this event. Okay. Well, there's a twofold for that performance in that event. One was okay. I had our one-year-old baby strapped to my chest in the baby. <laughs> that's, so, that's a pretty good excuse. So running with him probably would have been detrimental to his health and probably would have, <laughs> he would have suffered a concussion or something. Right. Uh, and, and the reason that, that he was strapped to my chest, my wife was running, and, and I have a bad Achilles on my left side, so mm. I am not supposed to be running, but I did want to support and I decided to walk yeah. the four miles with the baby on my chest. So hopefully, John, <laughs> that explains it. Uh, I think if you go back, he feels like crap right now. Yeah, if you go he back, to he my feel time, like a jerk. The the, uh, the first year, I believe, I ran the four miles in about thirty-two minutes, so about an eight-minute mile. There you go. So yeah. anytime that John wants to wants to strap his shoes on and race me, I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> all healed up. I'm happy to do it. John, you got well, served. That's right. You just got told, my friend. So I don't. I, I I hope to hear a response email from John next week. And I have picture um, evidence with the baby strapped to my chest. If he doesn't believe me, so we, we that that is an excellent that is an excellent excuse. Like man. John, I, that, first of all, John, didn't you see? I was up on the stage with the baby on my chest. I mean, did you not look up on the stage of all the guys up there? I'm, I'm the only one up there with a baby and a baby Bjorn. Come on. No, you know what he did? He probably went and checked the results later. I was like, oh, I got these guys. And then like, just, your face. Yeah, I'm sure he was very excited for a little while. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. He had a week where he was happy. There and now we've just dashed his dreams. <laughs> well done. All right. Well, uh, I think we're going to we're gonna leave Ask Us, or excuse me, we're going to leave Ask Us Anything and uh, Think Us on Football right there this week. Thank you so much for coming on, Matt. Always a pleasure, guys. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right. Joining us tonight, we are really, really lucky to have back on uh, Maurice Claret, Ohio State great, and uh, really a guy with a lot of perspective on life, and that's honestly why I wanted to bring you on tonight. Um, there's obviously a lot of stuff going on with the, the Ohio State program right now, especially like JT Barrett and whatnot, and I really kind of wanted to get your feedback on a lot of the stuff that's been going on. And the, the first thing that I wanted to ask you was um, – JT Barrett's situation, I mean, this is a guy who has a lot of respect among the teammates. He's obviously in a really visible position on the team. What do you think he needs to do as a football player to kind of, like, get back to the point where he was in that leadership role? I think it's nothing more than him just doing uh, what he's been doing. I think it may be a dual perspective. I think that from the outside looking in, um, I think uh, that a lot of fans and, and people who sort of had him um, – uh, like he was, uh, uh, I don't say bigger than the program, but like he was just this uh, very cool, disciplined, uh, calm-headed sort of guy. I think their perception or perspective uh, has changed with the situation like this. But I think from um, from the internal standpoint, with the guys in the locker room, I'm pretty sure that they just was like, hey, you know, mistakes happen, things happen, um, and I don't see me. I don't, you know, I don't know for a fact, but I don't see any guy. Uh, any guy within the team losing respect for him, you know. So and I think he just goes back out there, does what he has to do, uh, deal with the uh, the situation at hand, uh, go to the counseling that they've obviously um, uh, recommended for him, and you just go back out there and do what you've been doing, you know what I mean? And, and things will pass over and blow over, but you know you just don't repeat the same mistake again. Maurice, you've been very uh, vocal about you know your your ownership of the mistakes you've made in the past, and 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 spoken to you know groups all over the country about it um what goes through your mind as somebody who is is looked up to in the community and you make a mistake like that and 
and you know what goes through your mind in terms of of trying to atone for those mistakes and and how do you start you know building those reparations I don't know, like I, I think it just kind of leads back into the first answer um it's just you go back and do what you've been doing <clears throat> like i said it's, it's very hard or it's very uh frustrating initially because you want people to always see you like as this favorable hero and this individual who doesn't make a mistake you know to be honest with you uh it's just natural it's normal it's a part of life you know what i'm saying you, you're going to make choices uh that don't put yourself in the best uh situation all the time you know so you, you're going to do it uh even as an adult now I'm 32 years old, and I still do it. You know what I'm saying? You still make choices or mistakes or, or decisions that don't uh, seem to have your best interests at hand. Um, I think the point is that you just try to stay consistent, you know, um, more so than not. And, um, you know, just as a young guy, just to kind of get back to your question, um, uh, just as a young individual, you know what I'm saying, he, he's just going through that. But uh, the fact that he's a good football player, uh, he has to go through it through the public, you know what I mean? Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's, it's not as big as people are making it. You know, it's not to me advocating in any way uh, for anybody to drive drunk. Uh, but let's be serious. Uh, you know, it's not like the biggest thing in the world. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I, I just get, um, I got sort of emotional about it uh, when, when people just began to start to beat him up. I, and I know uh, how that feels. And I don't want to say I came to the defense. I just put it in perspective, you know, saying that, you know, this is just a situation to get over and you don't need to beat this kid up to make you feel better about yourself. You know, when a kid goes through a, yeah. a, 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 a turmoil or a kid goes through something major, uh, just as you can't teach a kid to be famous, you can't teach a kid on how to deal with that. You know, and there's so many mental health mm-hmm. issues and so many confidence issues and so many um just, just mental health issues that come along with that that people can't see uh, that affects a kid his development and, and drives kids to other things. You know, you start to bully people and beat them up and talk down on them. If a kid is not equipped to handle that, you know, a kid, you know, he, he can be he can find his refuge in, every, in other things. You know what I'm saying? He can find mm-hmm. his alcohol and the drugs and everything like that. And you see a lot of that stuff going on in the nation. Uh, we have the heroin and, and all these other problems that stem from uh, people sort of getting bullied and beat up. And I just see a bigger picture, and I was just basically – adding perspective, uh, hoping he would see it and just say, hey, man, look, I made a mistake. I'm owning my mistake. This is what I did. And then you deal with the consequences of the day, and that's like the process of becoming a man. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And you know what? I actually – I'm really glad you brought that up because one of the things I was really wanted to ask you about too was, you know, it, it is interesting how people see something like this and they jump at it, like on Twitter, online or whatever – and they go, I think when you said they want to make themselves feel better, like, I think people enjoy being really upset about it. Like, not necessarily what he did, but just the fact that they get upset at a guy in that position almost. What, what do you think causes people to kind of do that? And, and what's the perspective of an athlete on that? Uh, it's a boring life. You know, it's, uh, it's people creating <laughs> these, uh, yeah, seriously, it's people creating yeah. these melodramatic moments. And uh, they'll make something out of nothing. Uh, but it's all with the perspective that uh, let me um, dehumanize this person of, of, of some sorts. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Let me come from a perspective of I told you so. I told you he isn't this individual. Or let me let me get my jollies off uh, by just criticizing. You know, some people thrive in criticism. You know what I'm saying? Uh, or the, the thoughts that people speak outside their mouths and project onto other people are nothing more than reflections of stuff how they feel about themselves. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And um it is very irresponsible, but that individual who, who speaks those ill words, um, they, they don't even hold it in the context. Like, like I always say, like, if you've been through something serious in your life, you don't beat people up on it down. You know what I'm saying? 
And, um, right. and, and just from that perspective, it's like, you know, just it's just a young kid who's made a mistake, you know. And, you know, if we were being uh, very like, you know, let's be um, the saints about the entire situation with people drinking and driving, how many people will get OVIs after every tailgating situation around the nation? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> If right. they set up if they set up checkpoints, tailgating wouldn't, wouldn't exist. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's not to justify or to minimize what this kid did, but it's to say, hey, I was 20. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I, I was 20 at once. Do we all do foolish things? We all got behind the wheel of the car and drove home. We've all done things that we haven't got caught for. So when you're when you're speaking on an individual, just keep all that in mind, keep it in context, and try to speak from a more responsible standpoint. You know, uh, one thing I used to hate as a kid. I was a kid going through trouble or going through my situations or uh, just my turmoil. I used to say to myself, like, if you would think that I'm supposed to know this stuff, you know what I'm saying? And you would assume that these kids are supposed to know these things because they're popular. But sometimes right. you have to realize that they're just kids. Their popularity doesn't merit any certain or special knowledge, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, and yeah. I'm, I'm just speaking from that perspective in hopes that he sees it and he says, hey, this is something I can identify with. This is something who this is somebody who's worked through the situation and you just own it. And once you take ownership of something and you understand why it happened and why you put yourself in that situation, then at that point you can grow past it, you know, and, and if you do it again, then I can say, Hey, you're an idiot, you know what I'm saying? Because you knew better. Uh, but you know, that's part, that's part of the whole program. Yeah. You know, Maurice, I want to turn uh, attention toward this Saturday and Ohio state's playing Minnesota. And now with, with JT suspended for the game, uh, probably going to see a lot more reliance on the running game on Saturday. And one of the things that I, I find interesting in, in this day and age, most teams seem like they find a couple of backs because there's just a, so much wear and tear on, on a running back's body. And Ohio State has Ezekiel Elliott, who's a he's a, you know he's the bell cow, he's the workhorse. What does a running back over the course of 30 carries in a football game? How does that affect you, and how long does it take to recover from that? Oh, good, good question. You know, when you get 25, 30 carries, you're probably not going to feel healthy until about Wednesday. You know, just from the wear and tear in the, in the pass block, you get the uh, just the excitement and adrenaline and, and just from the hits in general. You know, your body probably doesn't recover until Wednesday, Thursday, uh, just from the pounding of it. And you're really trying to take it light. Uh, but in his situation, he does a great job. Where he doesn't take, like, huge blows. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, he he does he just does a great job either either making long runs or uh, just protecting himself very well, having good leverage, being able to drop his hips, being able to run behind his pads. Um, and, and let's hope no freak accident happens like uh, the situation with uh, Le'Veon Bell last week. You know, outside of something like right. that. But I think you know, I think he'll be okay. You know, saying so this is just me saying. You know, if all all is well and he stays healthy, uh, you know, I think he'll be okay through the rest of the season. Uh, but to, to even switch gears with that, I think you'll have a better performance out of Cornell. And I, I say that, and I say it in all seriousness, um, just from a simple standpoint that he's not worried about somebody else coming into the game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. And, I, and I, think, I, I think there's a um, there's a, um, a mentality that sets in, a relaxation that no matter what I do, I can be comfortable in throwing the ball because I don't have to make something big happen. You know what I'm saying? Something you have a better performance out of him, and I think you have a better performance uh, out of Ezekiel. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Minnesota's a tough team, uh, but you know I don't really see uh, I don't really see it being a big deal. I think these guys are playing well, and they have the team to play well. Yeah, you know what? I actually really want to ask you about Cardell. I think that's really interesting, just because the you know a guy who was a starter and then he gets replaced and now he's back in. 
how does how does a team deal with that? I mean, is, you know, offensively, defensively, like how does the locker room handle that kind of switch at quarterback? Well, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure. Um, you know, that, that's that's that, I wish I, I wish I was around him more to see and, and have a different level of insight. Uh, but I'm pretty sure he's happy that he gets another chance to prove himself. You know, at the end right. of the day, I'm pretty sure that he's out here trying to get drafted high. And he wants to perform very well. He gets a chance to clean up all of what he's kind of messed up throughout the beginning of the year. And um, you know, but, you know, to get some credit, this is his first year going up there, being a man, being that guy. Uh, and expectations were just so high from what he did in those last three games. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I think a lot of people compare him to those last three games. And um, is it a fair comparison? I don't know. Uh, but for the simple fact that you know. Um, I just hope my man go out there. He has a better week than what he's been having. I hope that he took a couple of notes out of JT's book when uh, JT was sort of running the offense and, and looked at his skill set and looked at things that he may be able to adapt. Uh, I don't think he's the best fit for the uh, for the style of um, football it is and also uh, for the personnel that we have, uh, being that we don't have too many deep ball threats like we had with uh, Devin Jordan last year. I mean, I said Devin Jordan, Devin Smith. Uh, yeah, Devin Jordan, my guy. Uh, but you know, it's just you know, it's just what it is. You know, I, I just I, I wish all these kids well. It doesn't matter which team that they're on. You know, I just wish for them all to do well and, and, and get a shot at their dreams. But you know, I'm just wishing this kid luck. So one last thing that I want to kind of ask you real quick. Uh, I've been following like Leonard Fournette uh, from you know LSU all season and whatnot, and I see like some of the numbers that guys are putting up, even Ezekiel Elliott. Did you ever wish that you were able to play in like that wide open kind of like spread offense that I think kind of allows for that, or is that maybe just a function of of how the game's going these days? I don't, I don't know. You know, uh, I probably wouldn't be in a, in an Urban Meyer spread offense. You know, that's just not my yeah. skill set. You know, um, I went up to Omaha, Nebraska, on a smaller level. Uh, it mm-hmm. was the UFL, uh, but still, I struggled within that offense. You know what I'm saying? I was a downhill between the tackles. Um, I'm pretty sure Leonard Fournette comes from that, too. You know, he's downhill, break tackles. Um, and, and, and some of the plays that I've seen, uh, he's more like the old-school style of running. You know what I'm saying? More like yeah. Marshawn Lynch and more like myself and Ezekiel. And that's like more Arian Foster, Jamal Charles. It's just a different set of guys. You know what I'm saying? But like everything else, the game changes and evolves. And each individual uh, is, a gifted, is a gifted runner. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I look at two of the greats of all time, uh, Walter Payton and uh, Barry Sanders, um, two great runners with two different completely skill sets. You know what I'm saying? And you look at Ezekiel Elliott and you look at uh, Leonard Fournette, you really can't go wrong with either kid. You know what I'm saying? Um, (laughs) Right. It's more or less the team who just has the the system that fits these guys, you know, who's going to get drafted first. You know, I seen the kid for for, uh, uh, Penn State the other week. You know what I'm saying? And, oh, yeah. Um, and and I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, you can pick one of those three and you're still going to get a great runner, you know what I'm saying? But it just all comes down to the system. The game has evolved and, it's, and this system uh, fits guys well. The only people, excuse me, the only people I think that are at a disadvantage when it comes to transitioning to the next level is alignment. You know what I mean? In the zone systems, uh, those linemen are not taught a lot of fundamentals. Uh, in blocking and learn how to do a lot of one-on-one pass sets and rush sets and uh, just the different schemes in blocking uh, because so much just like wash left, wash right, wash left, wash right. I think that right. hurts those guys overall. Uh, but, you know what I'm saying, you, you can't lose with either guy. You know what I'm saying? And uh, 
but but the zone system, um, in order for the zone system to work, it takes a lot to work. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the quarterback has to get the read right. The quarterback has to get the fake right. Uh, the running back has to have the right mesh. You have to let things develop in front of you. And, you know, it's, it's more like the trick or football. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> with, you know, with downhill running, I think it takes a lot more mental skill uh, to be able to set up blocks and pick holes and, and learn what the soft spots are and learn where you can kind of break through the back end and learn how to play develop. So two different two different things, but all in all, uh, you know, I, I can I can pick either one and be happy. Ezekiel or Leonard. Yeah. Well, thanks for the awesome insight. We really appreciate it, Maurice. Thank you so much for coming on, and we really appreciate you uh, talking to us. Uh, thank you for having me. All right. Thanks again for, of course, Ohio State legend Maurice Claret for coming on and talking to us. And, of course, Ohio State legend Matt Finkus for coming on. We, You know, we, we have done it again, Michael. Another amazing, incredible podcast to put on the vast sea of the Internet that Hopefully in our little tiny podcast bottle will reach some beach of an Ohio State listener and they'll they'll open it and enjoy our amazing dialogue between each other. Yeah, I mean it's quite an accomplishment. What a what a tortured metaphor that it's, was. God damn. It's quite an accomplishment when you consider that I'm sick and you're tired, so the two of us are sick and tired together. Well Usually it's backwards, right? Usually I'm the one that's sick. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I got a little bug uh, Saturday night taking the kid trick or treating, so um uh, yeah. Sad. Well, by the way, what 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 costume did your your kid go for this uh, year? She was uh, Cinderella. Ooh, very nice. Yeah. Classic. Classic for a reason, though. That's that's a good choice. Yeah. So the question that I have for you, we we do have a final question as we typically do. Final question that I have for you. You know, one of the things that I've been noticing is that popular media media these days seems to be good in some respects. I think there's a lot of good movies coming out. There's a lot of good television. Tell me just something in the past, I don't know, month or so that you enjoyed in either a movie that you watched that you enjoyed a lot or a scripted piece of television that you really enjoyed. Well, I will I will sing the praises of the TV show Fargo, uh, which oh, is, man. is in season two. God dang. Yeah, Noah Hawley is doing a heck of a job with that show. It's probably the best show on television right now. Like yep. I said, it's in season two. They just aired the fourth episode this week. And it's phenomenal. It's if, if possible, it might even be better than last year's uh, season one, which was amazing and astounding. And it's a, a very visually appealing show, and the, the performances are fantastic. And sometimes from people you don't expect to, yeah. to see, you know, serious acting from Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, is it, it, great it's, in that show. It's tremendous. Uh, so I'm I'm very big on Fargo, and I will toot the the Fargo horn until the cows come home. Uh, also, I don't get to the movies very often, but I did go this past weekend and saw Bridge of Spies, the uh, Spielberg movie with with Tom Hanks, and um, mm-hmm. uh, very much enjoyed that. I I like those kind of period historical taught thriller type pieces, you know, where, you know, one wrong move and, you know, you could get shot, that kind of thing. I, right. I, I enjoyed the heck out of that movie. So, and, and Hanks did a great job in the, the, the lead role. So uh, those yeah. are two things that, that I enjoyed. How about yourself? I got to say something. So I didn't think you were going to bust out Fargo. I, I agree with you on Bridge of Spies. I saw that as well. And that's a really, really good movie. It, it doesn't maybe get the pub that, you know, the next James Bond coming out is going to get, mm-hmm. or the Star Wars obviously is going to get. But Bridge of Spies is a really cool movie. It's a nice gap movie, I guess, if you're waiting for these big event movies like James Bond or Star Wars or whatever, or Hunger Games or whatever. But it is 
It's a really well acted and, of course, amazingly directed movie. I I think Bridge of Spies is an excellent choice. And I was actually going to say Fargo, too. I didn't think you'd bust that out. <laughs> I, you know, like, I love the movie. The movie is really the Coen Brothers' magnum opus. It perfectly encapsulates their entire philosophy. It's It's an excellent, excellent movie. But, man, that TV show, last season, this season whatever magic they found and the inspiration from the original movie, they've kind of created their own thing. It's not just the movie writ large. It is its own thing. It's its own philosophy and style. And it's excellent. It is so good. And man, I was skeptical when I first heard that they were going to make like a Fargo TV show. Cause usually what happens when you have a TV show based on a movie property is that they take some of the more subtle elements of the movie and, just explode them up, right? Yeah. Like the the characters become these huge caricatures rather than characters. And I was really afraid that that's what was going to happen with Fargo because Fargo, the characters already are very broadly painted in some ways. And I was really afraid that on the TV show it would just become like a farce. But that is not what has happened. Yeah. It is a really taut, compact thriller, and it is an awesome, awesome show. Everybody should watch it. I agree with you. It's probably the best thing on television right yeah, now. It's very so. edgy, and, and Noah Hawley somehow has managed to bottle the Coen brothers' um, yeah. energy and feel and vibe, and these characters just are amazingly rich, and you know, like a character like Mike Milligan on the on the current uh, series, mm-hmm. and, and just the little subtle acting cues that you get from guys who are reacting to mo- like a, a character is monologuing and just the facial reactions to that. The the right. directing is fantastic because they're getting tremendous performances out of these actors. Yeah. It, it's, it's a really great show. Everybody should watch it. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought it up. So that is our dubcast for this week. We'll be back next week with all kinds of things to talk about. I'm so sure. <laughs> uh, but until then, my name is John Aginner. And my name is Michael Citro. And we'll see you then. Peace.